Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts, one man who's afraid of spiders, another who's afraid of women, and we're definitely both scared of spider women, it's Bread Roll and JT. <laughs> well, I'm definitely scared of spiders, I'll give you that one. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about women, uh, but there we go. Yeah, we're back again, everyone. Bread Roll's choice this week, uh, so what are we looking at? Well, we're looking at a bit of a, oh, I suppose it means. 2002, so it would be classic, I guess, a bit old school. We're looking at Dog Soldiers, which was written and directed by Neil Marshall, who's a bit of a um, bit known in the British uh, movie scene for his sort of horror movies. He did things like The Descent and Doomsday, which have got a bit of a following as well. Uh, this one stars Sean Pertwee, Liam Cunningham, Kevin McKidd and Emma Cleesby. It came out on the 10th of May 2002. It runs for 104 minutes. It had a budget of 2.3 million and it had a box office of 5 million. So it made money, but it didn't actually come out in the United States, which is a bit of a shame because it might have had a bit of a run in there and popped up the box office, but it made money either way. So there we are. Yeah, small budget, which it doubled. So I suppose can't really argue with that. Um, randomly looking at the release dates here on Wiki, it came out in Brussels a couple of months beforehand. Was that a film festival or something? I don't know. It's a bit re- weird that it came out in Brussels first. What's that about? Well, believe it or not, even though the movie is set in the highlands of Scotland, it was filmed in Luxembourg because of tax reasons or something like that. Um, So the only shot of this movie that is in actually real genuine Scotland is the opening shot. You see like a kind of camera panning across like the highlands and stuff and it all looks lovely. But yeah, the rest of it is not shot in this country. The spies, I didn't actually know that until I read it because it does actually look quite authentic to be fair to it. Yeah, never been to Scotland, but I wouldn't have argued I didn't know that, hence uh, why I questioned that Brussels thing there. So yeah, good bit of trivia there, Bread Roll. I mean, I think I've only ever seen this film once. Um, I didn't remember much about it watching it again earlier, and that probably would have been not long after it came out, so probably a good 20 years ago. So it's like watching it afresh from me, and obviously Sean Pertwee, he's always good in everything he's in. He was also in uh, Wild Bill that we watched a couple of months back, so shameless plug there. And I'll give another shameless plug because Kevin McKidd, who's also in this film, was in Trainspotting. So I'm two shameless plugs there. So I don't think I got one in last week. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I love a bit of Sean Pertwee. I think he's a great actor. And apparently he has always wanted to do a werewolf movie. Um, and he told Neil Marshall he's in for this movie before it even got like approved and finalised or anything. He said, if it's got werewolves in it, I want to be in it. So that's how he got his part. And uh, good old Kevin McKidd, people might know him as the voice of Soap in Call of Duty, although he's been in quite mm. a few things. Um, you mentioned, obviously, there, Train Spotting. He's currently in a show, I don't know if he's still in it, um, but Grey's Anatomy, which is a really popular hospital drama. He's been in that for a good few years. And his part was originally going to Jason Statham, who, one for one reason or another, dropped out. Um, so he got the part at the last minute. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, Jason Statham, eh? We've obviously done a few of his films. Yeah. Few, actually. Um I mean, you say now about not getting a US release. I mean, this film is quintessentially British, isn't it? Just everything about it. So maybe they just thought the, the, the Americans wouldn't get it. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. And it's a shame because I think it probably would have picked up a bit of a following over there because it was around this time. Um, the British kind of horror scene really started to come back. I mean, I, I know I'm obviously a bit biased and everything, obviously being from Britain myself. But I just think we've always done horror movies really well. There's that kind of dirty, gritty, almost kind of low budgetness to them literally and figuratively really just the way obviously they're shot over here and it's just got that old kind of hammer horror feel to it even the modern ones and around this sort of time is when we also had stuff like 28 days later coming out and as i say like neil marshall here he came out with movies like the descent which i remember being really good although i think i've only seen it once i think i watched it with you actually yeah um 
and then movies like Doomsday, which is fucking weird, but also pretty damn cool. Um, so yeah, around this sort of time, like the British horror scene just kind of had a bit of a resurgence. So this was one of the ones that kicked it off, I think. Yeah, you mentioned The Descent there. Yeah, we did watch that together. That's a good film, actually. It's pretty dark, isn't it? We might have to watch that again, actually. I don't know if it's available anywhere. I might even put it on our list. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever seen Doomsday. I certainly know of it. I'm not sure I've ever seen it, though. That's a weird one. It's kind of like, again, it's set in England and sort of in the future. And then, like, the half of England is like walled off, and below it is like everyone trying to live because there's some kind of plague. And then they go beyond the wall, and it's like fucking Mad Max. Then you've got some dude living in a castle like it's the fucking King Arthur days. This <laughs> dude fucking driving around dancing to fucking music like he's like a Mad Max villain. It's fucking weird, but. That might be another one to stick on the list just for a chuckle. But again, I don't know if it's available anywhere. So <laughs> don't know when that will come to you, if it comes to you at all. Oh, well, we can stick it on the list. We've got so much on there, but we keep veering off and doing other things. But, you know, it's always nice to have choice. Absolutely, it is. Um, so let's take a look at the old synopsis for this one. Then, as always, it's coming from Wikipedia and it goes a little something like this. So a couple goes camping in the Scottish Highlands, or maybe they don't. Uh, the woman get, gives the man a silver letter opener as a present. Shortly afterwards, they are killed in their tent by unseen assailants. Meanwhile, a soldier named Private Cooper runs through a forest in North Wales. He attacks his pursuers, but is overwhelmed and wrestled to the ground. It is revealed that Cooper is trying to join the Special Forces unit, but fails when he refuses to shoot a dog in cold blood. He is returned to his unit by Captain Richard Ryan. So that's possibly the best opening synopsis we've ever had from Wiki, because normally they're really vague, but it actually covers the opening of this movie pretty well. What do you think there, JT? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> One thing when this started and the sort of titles come up, it doesn't announce the title of the film until after that bit, but the sort of production or whatever, it looked really wonky. Like it was all mm. j- jittering about my screen. I was like, this looks really fucking dated. But then, as a synopsis said, there, the couple are camping and they're, they're sort of there. She gives him the letter opener. They start getting it on, I guess. And then she gets dragged out. He gets splattered in blood. And I'm like, fucking hell, that's quite a brutal start. Completely forgotten how it started. And then it just cuts to older Cooper running about. And then I'm glad he didn't shoot that dog, although fucking Ryan shoots it anyway, luckily off screen. But what a horrible thing to do. Obviously, I guess it's to prove that you can do these sort of things. And, you know, you're a bit, bit, bit of an animal, I guess, without sort of sounding weird. But, yeah, a bit nasty. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. Fucking hey, that Ryan's an absolute bastard in this movie. He played really well. Liam Cunningham, I think it is, who plays him. So the quick look. Yeah, Liam Cunningham. He's been in quite a few things, but I do like the opening of this. Like you see, like that classic horror movie, The First Kill. But I think the way it's shot is quite good because again, you can tell it's kind of low budget, but it's quite sort of like close in. They're in their tent. And I was thinking, like, I used to go camping that all the time when I was a kid, like camping in caravan and I was just out with my friends and everything. And thinking you'd be so fucked if you're just camping in the woods and suddenly something random started opening your fucking zipper you'd shit yourself wouldn't you and obviously she gets fucking pulled out and i like the way she's not like screaming or flapping around like mad there's like, just that kind of like panic like heavy breathing and they're like what the fuck's happening and then she screams just as she gets ripped in half and matey boy gets covered in sauce yeah it is quite realistic isn't it i mean obviously i've never seen a werewolf attack but yeah it's not really over the top is it it is just like fucking hell full-on kind of yeah how you imagine it would be um, and yeah, you're going on about camping there. I mean, my camping experiences, I went with an ex once, but actually to a campsite. And the only other times have been at festivals. So my camping knowledge is pretty limited. I don't think I've ever wanted to camp like that, just in the middle of nowhere. That just scares the shit out of me. 
Yeah, I mean, I used to love doing it when I was a kid, but nowadays I'd be fucking shit scared. One, because there's loads of weirdos out there, and two, I don't like werewolves. One of them fucking knocks on me ten. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do anything on the doubt. I'd take a letter opener with me either, which comes into play later on. Just uh, We obviously needed an opening scene with the letter opener randomly. You can tell it's going to, because obviously, apart from setting it up, or whatever, that couple have no real part. Well, they don't have any part in the film. They're both dead. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, you can. You obviously know because they make a big thing of the letter opener. She gives it to him, and he's all happy about it. Um, and then when it cuts to like um, Cooper and Ryan and all that, I was quite impressed with that helicopter. The way it managed, it doesn't actually land; it's hovering. But there's trees everywhere, and it sort of finds the one bit of clearing. I thought that was quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Um, so four weeks later, a squad of six British soldiers, including Cooper, are dropped into a remote area of the Scottish Highlands to carry out a training exercise against a special air service unit. The following morning, they find the SAS unit's savage remains. Um, a badly wounded Captain Ryan, the only survivor, makes cryptic references to what attacked them. The troops retreat uh, when unseen assailants begin pursuing them. While retreating, Corporal Campbell is impaled by a tree branch, which kills him, and Sergeant Wells is attacked and disemboweled. He is rescued by Cooper and carried to a rural roadhouse where a group meet Megan, a zoologist who takes him to a lonely house belonging to an unknown family. Soldiers Wells, Cooper, Spoon, Joe and Terry remain. That covers a little chunk there. I do like the, um, like say, the helicopter comes in and they all jump out. We do get a good kind of like, about like 10 minutes or so, then just kind of being themselves, aren't they? Just kind of being soldiers, I guess. Um, I don't know if they're like showing like a good side of the British um, army or not, because it all seemed pretty fucking useless to me at first. You've got matey boy pissing and moaning that he's on exercise when he wants to be home watching the football. Then another guy's forgotten his fucking watch. Then they're just all like whistling through the woods. It's like, you're supposed to be on exercise, guys. Yeah, they are a bit shit, aren't they? But I do like the the sort of banter between them all and everything. It is quite natural, isn't it? Um, But, I mean, the start is kind of a little bit disjointed in a way, isn't it? You get the opening scene, then it cuts back to two days before, then it cuts back to four weeks later, and you're like, well, this is all over the shop in the first sort of five, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit jagged, isn't it? I don't know why it needed that sort of, like, the four weeks later I can get, but um, the opening kill followed by Cooper doing his, obviously, training and then failing type thing, you don't really need to know that that was four hours before the couple got killed in Scotland, but there you go, maybe they were trying to do something fancy with it. Yeah, and there's another bit as well. Um, sort of when you're meeting all the characters, and uh, old Sergeant Wells tells that story about his mate. I think it was Eddie. Um, he got that tattoo on his ass, and he gets blown up. And the only bit they found pretty much was his ass cheek with the tattoo on it. Um, and then they sort of have a toast to Eddie. And well, I'd actually they wouldn't actually be drinking alcohol, would they? I don't know. They've all got their little mugs, and he's like a toast to Eddie. But surely that isn't actual alcohol. Maybe I'm just being a bit fucking naive here. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I wouldn't have thought so. It probably was just like, I don't know, tea, coffee, canteen rations or whatever. But you never know. Maybe one of them had a hip flask on him for a cold night. I mean, if I was going out to trudge through the Scottish Highlands, I'd probably take a tot of whiskey with me. But then I'm not a soldier, so I'm not sure. But that sol- that story, like you say there, the way he tells it is really, really good, I think. And, it, you know, yeah, there's yeah. some solid acting in this, I think. Like, obviously, again, it's a low budget movie, but people like Sean Pertwee and that really elevate it because they're just so good on screen. And his line delivery, the way he's sort of telling it. And it sounds like it was genuinely him who did it. So good acting from the man. It's very good, isn't it? Yeah, I was kind of like gripped by his story. I was like, wow, this is, where's this going? And it's, um, yeah, it's very good. Um, and then we get kind of a jump scare. Is it like a bit of a cow or something? Just gets thrown into the mix and they all fucking jump up. And I was like, whoa, that made me uh, not jump, but it sort of got my attention, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, it's quite random, isn't it? It just like randomly runs off and they're like, oh, 
you know, they sort of they was all cut up and everything. And he turns around to one of his guys, like, oh Spoon, are you all right? No, Sarge, I think I shit myself. I'd be like, <laughs> fucking blame me if a fucking cow or whatever came like, flying out the sky and landed on my campfire, I'd probably shit myself as well. Yeah. And then obviously they, they go off and they, they find the remains of the SAS. Um and Ryan's there, the only one who's alive. And like I'm not sure there's like a, a bit of fur on a tree branch that Wells manages to find somehow. He's like, I don't know, he sort of zones in on it. Like, How did you even notice that? It's a tiny bit of fur or something on a tree branch, but he finds it just as they, they find the SAS base and an older Ryan's there and he's not in a good way at all, is he? He's been sort of sliced up by one of the werewolves, but obviously he's still alive. Yeah, and this is where they start obviously realizing that things aren't quite what they should be because he's um they're trying to radio in, aren't they? And like, oh, we got to call it because they think they're on exercise. This is a sort of training thing, and they get there. These lot are dead, and they swap their sort of fake. I think they've got SA80s or something, and with big fucking stupid yellow thing on the front of it, and they swap it for the the um assault rifles and stuff that the SAS have got. Um, and then like he says, oh, I've just my my radio's not working. And then he's like trying to fix it. And he goes, oh, there's a random chip in there. That means someone didn't want obviously us to listen. Um, so they're starting to clock that things aren't quite what it should be. And you've got old um, Ryan there. He's like, oh, no, there's only supposed to be one and flipping off and everything. He's dead body. So you can see they're all starting to fucking panic. And I think you would too as well if you're in that situation. Yeah, exactly. They don't really question why he's saying it, do they? He's going, there's only supposed to be one. And they're just ignoring him. I'm like, what the fuck are you on about? But they don't. I suppose they're all panicked as to what's going on and trying to find supplies and that. But no one seems to be asking what he's actually on about. And then... yeah. They they make a run, don't they, for the tree line? And I feel a bit sorry for the guy who's got to drag Ryan around. He's sort of got him, and he's sort of trying to help him up. And they're obviously um, shitting themselves by now. And then you see sort of some silhouettes of the werewolves and everything. And one of the guys has got his gun, and he gets jammed, as they always do in these films. And he makes a run for it. And I guess I I know why he throws his gun down, because it's jammed, and he's, he's obviously holding him back, maybe. But I don't know. I think I'd have still kept hold of it myself. But I suppose in, in panic, you don't really think straight and he runs into that fucking tree branch that's pretty gnarly isn't it you just see this squelching and it pans out and he's just fucking completely impaled he must have hit that at a fair rate i was thinking that i've seen this film a few times and i like i suppose if like you were running like because obviously he's shit scanning he'd probably be running wouldn't he not like just like yeah. jogging or anything if you're running that fast and obviously he's looking behind him so he wouldn't have seen it coming so he wouldn't have been able to even brace himself i guess it would impale you like that because obviously tree branches are fucking solid aren't they like proper hardcore ones and stuff so yeah I'd imagine like if you're running fast enough again and not able to sort of brace yourself that would just go straight through you it's fucking horrible though it is I mean it's more than just a branch it's quite solid it's almost like a fucking tree trunk but coming out mm. sideways from the tree itself but and then old um fucking Wells gets his stomach ripped out and they're trying to put it back in aren't they <laughs> and I know he, he, he survives and everything and it turns out a little bit of a twist a bit later on but Fuck it, his stomach's literally hanging out, isn't it? And he's trying to shove it back in. It's kind of comedic, even though it's not particularly funny. It is. I fucking love this scene. It's hilarious. He's like, "We guts are hanging out. We'll put them back in. But they're not going to fucking fit. <laughs> it's brilliant. And like, because obviously it's intestines and stuff. And later on, like, because obviously it does just look like sausages. Later on, there's a bit where he's on the bed and he just looks down. He's like, sausages. <laughs> his fucking guts hanging out. Always cracks me up. That did make me laugh. I mean... He's he's obviously in a bad way, but he's fairly coherent considering that half his stomach's outside, <laughs> like hanging out of his body. He's like he seems fairly normal for the fact that it's all fucking hanging out. And then obviously they sort of drag him off, and he he's doing quite a good job of of sort of moving. I I don't know. I suppose 
you could. I don't know. It just seems like a bit full on for someone who's still walking around. Yeah, I mean, a big laceration. I mean, I've been thinking movies, you know, when fucking Arnie and that, they get like fucking shot or something, but they manage to stand up and save the day. That's always pushing it. But like you say, this guy's actual guts are hanging out. Like his fucking insides are on his outside where they definitely shouldn't be. But like you say, they just kind of like stuff him back in, wrap something around him, and he's like jogging along through the countryside with the rest of them. And then one of them, I think it's Spoon, he falls down a hill and just nearly gets run over by old Megan, who's trotting around in like proper old school shitty fucking Land Rover but they're classic so you got to love them and she obviously they all clamber in and she drives them off to that house yeah I mean they were quite lucky she was there turns out obviously she kind of knows what's going on but we we'll, won't spoil it too much although I'm sure everyone knows yeah I'd imagine so so as darkness falls the house is surrounded by and attacked by um, werewolves the survivors try to get in the Land Rover but find it has been destroyed by the werewolves the soldiers maintain a desperate defence against the creatures, believing that if they can make it to sunrise, they will revert to their human form. Cooper and Megan treat Wells' wounds, which heal rapidly, leading them to realise he is infected. The werewolves attack and Terry is pulled through a window and abducted during the battle. The ammunition runs short and they realise they will not be able to hold out and decide to try to escape. Spoon creates a diversion while Joe runs to the barn to steal the Land Rover from the garage. And in the process, he sees Terry being devoured. Joe drives up to the house door, but is then killed by a werewolf who was hiding in the back seat. So this bit in the house, this is um, where the movie really kind of stays for the rest of it, for the foreseeable, really. And it's got that proper like Night of the Living Dead feel to it. Just these handful of survivors locked in a house surrounded by fucking gnarly creatures trying to break in. And I, I really dig the way this is shot. I like the claustrophobia of it. The Obviously, it stayed contained. Obviously, the budget was low, so we didn't need to try and do anything too drastic. But... I do like that whole kind of like um, just that kind of enclosed area. So like, there's no escape. You can't go anywhere. You've just got to try and survive. It's like that fucking level on Resident Evil 4 when you're in the house, isn't it? Kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah, I, I like this. And this is some of the bits that did come back to me, the bits where they're in the house. I didn't remember anything about the start, but I was like, yeah, I do remember them being stuck in this house. And as you say, that's pretty much where the rest of the movie stays now. Um, yeah, it's good. There's a, there's a couple of obviously attacks. There's one bit where the werewolves... I think the first, well, the first attack, and one of the guys shoves. Is is it the letter opener? He shoves through its. Um, it's not, is it? It's just a knife. I think he shoves through its arms. It goes through the window, and then there's quite a funny bit. I don't know if it, again, it's supposed to be funny. I'm assuming it is, but they're sort of looking through the house for, for shit they can use. They find a sword and an axe. One of them finds an electric fucking carving knife in the drawer. He seems to get really excited <laughs> about it. I was like, what the fuck is that going to do? Are you just going to go and plug it in? What's it going to do against the werewolf? But he seems really excited when he finds it. Yeah, I know. It's like, what are you going to do? Make some fucking bread and butter for it and hope it goes away. <laughs> but yeah, they find like a big sword. I mean, it's a Scottish Highland. There's got to be a fucking sword somewhere, aren't there? I mean, they obviously find that and they're sort of like looking around for bits and pieces. Um, but one thing that made, and even Rach sort of said this as well, like we watched it and seen it a load of times, but they come in and like, at first, obviously, there is a bit of a twist coming up and Megan's like, oh, the family, you know, they live here. Maybe they're out at the moment. Um, and it's like a pan on the boil with like some soup or something in the table set. And I'm thinking, spoiler alert, it turns out that the people who live in this house are in fact the werewolves and they transformed. So what did they do? Put some soup on before they turned into a wolf and went out for dinner. Why the fuck was there even a pan of food on in the first place? I thought exactly the same thing. And at this point, I'd forgotten that they were the, the werewolves. And I was like, that's a bit convenient. You've walked in, there's soup on the go, there's some bread and that on the table and they all tuck in. And Megan gets a bit, or one of them gets a bit shitty. I can't remember who it is. I don't know if it's Megan or one of the, actual, or the other soldiers. I think it's Megan, though. She's like, don't just fucking start eating it all. I was like, why not? These guys are probably hungry. They probably haven't had food for hours, maybe days. But, yeah, it's just nice and convenient. There's another bit a bit later on 
um, where there's another werewolf attack, and one of them gets a pan of boiling water and just chucks it on the werewolf. I was like, why was there a pan just boiling on the stove as well? That's quite coincidental and uh, convenient. Yeah, I think Kubashi tells him to do that because they haven't got many weapons. So he's like, I'll get oh, okay. some pans on the fire. And then he's like, oh, and put the kettle on. It'll do with a blue, which is obviously probably the most British thing anyone would ever say. If I'm being attacked by a werewolf or a vampire, a cup of tea is what I need. Yeah, they find some whiskey as well. I think I'd be on that rather than a cup of tea. Um, but obviously it's Scottish, it has to be whiskey in the house as well. No offence to the Scottish people out there. You do like a wee dram. Um, but yeah, maybe I missed that bit when I was typing. That I'm, I do remember them making a cup of tea, so that does make a bit more sense now why there's some boiling water on the go. I just thought it was a bit convenient that it just happens to be there. And you, <laughs> I, I don't know when it actually is in the film. It's a little bit later on, but I don't think it's going to spoil the plot. Um he throws the water over the werewolf and it sort of backs off a little bit, then sort of comes back through the hole in the door and he starts whacking it with the saucepan, which made me laugh. Yeah, that is good. That's sort of bit as well, because obviously they're trying to like board up the house and everything, and the fucking werewolf puts his hand through the letterbox and the bloke just starts yeah. fucking hitting it with his hammer. It's just like, again, it's one of those things that's probably not supposed to be comical, but it kind of is at the same time. I think this film's got to be a little bit tongue in cheek. I mean, it's quite oh. brutal and dark, um, and there's some gruesome moments, but I don't think it's 100% serious. I'd like to think it isn't. Um, and also, there, when it said um, that they um, help uh, Wells, sorry, they treat him and everything, they pour whiskey on his wounds, and then she fucking super glues him back up. I don't think that. I mean, I'm no fucking medical expert, but would that work? I think it genuinely would actually. I mean, obviously Cooper comes out with some shit. It's like, oh yeah, super glue was made in the Vietnam War to patch up GIs. And it's like, I'm not sure it was, but I'm, you know, push comes to shove. I mean, it glues your fingers together, so it might glue your guts together. I'm not too sure. Can't imagine it's the most sanitary shit, but I suppose they haven't got much else to work with. No, I mean, I suppose they're using the alcohol and the whiskey to kind of cleanse the wound. But again, I'm not sure how well that would work. But well, I suppose yeah, super glue is pretty fucking potent. But yeah, I'm just not sure it would. Started stick someone's stomach together over their guts hanging out, but seems to work quite well on him. But obviously, he's not quite what he seems anyway, so maybe that helped out as well. Yeah, one thing that's kind of subtly happening in the background um, obviously, you alluded to it earlier, but old Ryan, he seems to be making a bit of a recovery, doesn't he? Because mm-hmm. when they get to the house, obviously, there's a little skirmish there, and obviously, Wells is led out in the fucking hallway, bleeding to death, and the fucking dog's trying to chew his bandages. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I bet you playing tug of war, but Ryan seems to have been making a bit of a recovery and then gets puked on. And then he's just kind of sat in the corner for, you know, a little while, and they obviously he's slowly recovering. It turns out that. For anyone who knows horror movies, when you're sort of bitten or whatever by a werewolf, if you don't die, you end up turning into one, which is what he's slowly doing. But I think the way the movie's shot, it's kind of happening, but you're not supposed to focus on it, so it's supposed to be a bit of a surprise later. Yeah, because there's a, there's a bit where he's pretty much talking and acting normal, and I again, I'd forgotten that he was a werewolf, and I'm like, oh, he's healed pretty quick. And then they, they do put his shirt open and see his wounds are healing, don't they, after they having to go in because Cooper doesn't like him anyway for obvious reasons so he's constantly on his case isn't he having a go at him and then he's like hold on a minute you seem to be healing a bit quick he kind of clocks what's going on then they find out obviously his his wounds are pretty much just well healed now haven't they yeah they have and um the sort of um the skirmishes that are kind of going on there's like one main one and it's a pretty fucking full-on fight scene actually because um one of the guys dies at the end of it he turns around and he's like huh wolves more like pussies and then you get that classic he's turned it back on an open window so he gets grabbed and dragged out and shit um and then they try and do the whole rescue in the barn but that's the entire fight scene because one of them climbs up to the top window and tries to kill wells he's like passed out on the bed and everything and they're trying to fight him and end up taking like fucking get the camera with the flash don't they and 
start flashing that to try and blind the werewolf. But that whole fight that's going on is really well done. And it's almost like an end of movie like fight scene. Obviously, there's another one to come later. But again, I kind of forgot how good that whole kind of fight scene was. Yeah, I was trying to frantically type notes while this was going on just about some of the things that are happening but in the end I was like I can't there's just too much going on so it is pretty full on for a while here it's quite good and Megan ends up using that camera as like a weapon she just keeps on flashing it in werewolves eyes I'm like okay seems to be working I suppose um, and the bit where old um, Joe and that go out to get the car or the Land Rover because Megan's like oh they've got another one in, in the shed out there so one of the guys creates a diversion and Joe goes is it Joe gets in the Land Rover it is and then gets taken out that's pretty gnarly. You just see the blood splattering up against the windscreen from the outside. And then when the guys go out there, they open the door and all this fucking blood and guts and that just fall out of the Land Rover. Yeah, it is not. I mean, this movie's a 15, but it's pretty... Mm. Fa- like The blood is really kind of like realistic horror blood in that. Because like I say, he turns the Land Rover lights on and his bloke, he got snatched from the window. The werewolf just kind of like bites his head off and throws it at the fucking car. And like I say, all the blood comes out. Then he drives it off and there's a werewolf behind him and all the guts come out the back and shit. And I was like, fuck, this movie is actually, you know, pushing it. I'm surprised it wasn't an 18, really. Yeah, I thought that. When it came up at the start and I thought it was a 15, I was like, I'm sure I remember this film being pretty gnarly. But yeah, I was quite surprised it was 15. Maybe it was an 18 when it first came out. It probably was. Because um, there are some pretty full-on bits in it. Yeah, I forgot about that bit. I've got it in my notes here, actually, but I sort of skimmed over it when he fucking chucks the head at the windscreen again. <laughs> <laughs> although it's not funny it did make me chuckle well, it is because he kind of like lands a goal doesn't he because it's obviously a typical Land Rover that's got a spare tyre on the on the sort of like the hood type thing and it sort of lands and then goes in the hood and I thought fucking hell that is, I don't know if it is supposed to be funny or not because it is again that kind of British it's dark but it's, it's tongue in cheek it's just kind of the way we do movies isn't it yeah exactly there's always that little bit of uh, comedy sort of in the background isn't there yeah so, under interrogation, Ryan reveals that he was sent on a government mission to capture a live werewolf for study and exploitation as a weapon. Cooper's squad was supposed to be the bait and considered expendable. An enraged Wells and Cooper attempt to kill Ryan, but he transforms into a werewolf and escapes into the forest. It is revealed that the Ewer uh, family, the owners of the house, are indeed the werewolves. The soldiers try blowing up the barn where Megan, where Megan told them the werewolves must be hiding, using the Land Rover and petrol to create a bomb. Once the barn has been destroyed, Megan reveals that not only were there no werewolves in the barn, but she is part of the family and a werewolf as well. She also reveals that she unlocks the back door, uh, she unlocked the back door to the house, allowing the other wolves inside. Before she fully transforms, Wells shoots her in the head. He and Cooper run upstairs while Spoon fights the werewolf in the kitchen. Using his surroundings to his advantage, he gains the upper hand, but is eventually killed when a second werewolf intervenes. There's obviously a bit of a, a twist coming now, and I, I knew she obviously was a werewolf, having seen this a few times. I'm, obviously, I know you haven't seen it for a while, but there's a few little tells that are quite clever as she's the movie's going on. Just the way she kind of looks out windows and the way she's kind of doing things, you kind of see there's little kind of hints that she would be involved in it. I know she's a little bit shady in the first place, just happens to be there at the right time. But there are a few like subtle little tales that I thought were quite clever. Yeah, you do pick up on them obviously more when you've seen it. Um, I kind of vaguely remembered she had something to do with it. I can't remember if she was a werewolf or not, um, but I, I knew she had something or she was in on it. Um, yeah, it's there's <laughs> one bit though where she just randomly starts playing the piano. That was a bit strange. Um, but yeah, when old Ryan says that he basically used them as bait and everything. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, this is all coming back to me now. Yeah, I kind of remembered. Because you knew he was sketchy from the start. He was an absolute arsehole. 
So I mean, there's no surprise there. I quite liked Megan as a character. I was a bit pissed off that she ended up being a werewolf, but there we go. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, Ryan, he's played really well, but yeah, he's a complete mm-hmm. dick. And when he um he transforms, it's proper like old school horror movie because he comes up from behind the table, like the hands come up and he comes up slowly, and then his eyes go yellow and he's like falls down, and then he stands up and he's a big fucking lanky werewolf. And he's the one who gets stabbed with that fucking sword, isn't he? Where it comes into play again a bit later on. And then he dives out the window and scurries off into the woods. Yeah, he does. Um, I will say some of the... Because at first you don't really see the werewolves close up. You just see silhouettes and a few flashes of them, a bit like Alien, I guess. But then when you do start seeing the, the full-on werewolves, I mean, it does look a bit shit. And you can tell there wasn't a great budget in this. I mean, it's not awful by any means, but they don't look incredible, do they? No, I mean, I do like the way that they look quite primal, but you can, like you say, the wide shots where you actually see them, and they kind of just look like drag queens in stilettos and a little bit the way they're walking around and everything. But I do like the way, obviously, that they do look quite primal um, and the fact that it was practical effects. But, yeah, some of the wide shots do kind of look their age now, don't they? Yeah. Um, obviously, older Wells now is starting to sort of move freely after he's been super glued back together. Um, we find out why in a minute. But, well, we kind of know he's infected, I guess. But um, before Megan reveals she's a werewolf and tells them all basically they're fucked and she's been pretty much, like, mugging them off the whole time, there's a very strange, very quick, sexually sort of tense scene between her and Cooper. They both sort of look at each other like they're about to kiss and then she just reveals all, doesn't she, about what's going on. But just for that one split second, it looked like they're about to get it on. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they didn't go down that route because there is mm. obviously that kind of thing. It would be obvious if that was going to happen because obviously they're chatting to each other. One of Cooper's sort of like plot points is um, obviously he's not any good with women or anything. He has no luck with him or anything. So I thought, oh, is he going to, you know, this is going to be like the woman. Like, it always happens in these sort of films, doesn't it? You know, they meet the fucking the one in these in, un, weird sort of circumstances. But I'm kind of glad they didn't go down that route because Alien managed to manage manage a great movie without having a love interest so I think maybe they took a key from that perhaps. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't have been time for them to do anything, I mean things are things are happening pretty quickly yeah? I don't know about it, I mean, yeah but anyway, yeah like you say, glad it didn't happen um, <laughs> the fight with Spoon when he's, um, is it Spoon? He's fighting the werewolf in the kitchen, that's yeah. pretty full on isn't it, he's like, he's battering it, he's like the werewolf, they're sort of having a fucking boxing match almost and he just goes mental and starts stabbing the shit out of it and then he sort of got the upper hand, as the synopsis said there, but then he gets sort of cornered by another one, and then he gets his comeuppance. But, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I did enjoy that scene. Yeah, he's proper like duking and jiving, isn't he? And obviously giving it large and everything. I do like his last words when the, the wolf's got him, and he's like, I hope I give you the shits, you fucking wimp, and then sort of spits his chewing gum <laughs> at him. I was that's a great little line. Yeah, there's a good bit as well. Um, I bet it was fun for him to film. When he's just literally chucking everything he can find at him, like bottles, fucking saucepans, just literally picking up everything that's around him and chucking it at the whale. But that was great fun to film, just lobbing things around randomly. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like the director's like, right, go wild, man, because we just got like a dummy werewolf in front of you. Just throw whatever the fuck you want, destroy the set. So off you go. Yeah. And then I think it's going to be in the synopsis in a minute, so I probably won't say. I think it's just before... Um, the next part of the synopsis. Um, old Wells has locked himself in the fucking bog, isn't he? And he's flamethrowing <laughs> his like uh, werewolf through the, the hole in the door with like an aerosol can and his lighter. I thought that was quite funny. 
Yeah, it's brilliant. So, Wells and Cooper shoot through the floor upstairs to elude the werewolves and drop into the kitchen, where they find Spoon's remains. Wells orders Cooper to take shelter in the cellar and gives him a, a roll of photographic film, which was a flash camera used to stun the werewolves, to prove that what, what has happened. The werewolves break into the kitchen and confront Wells. As, he trans- as his transformation begins, he severs a gas line and blows up the house, killing the werewolves and sacrificing himself. So before we do the little bit, yeah, this little fight where obviously Cooper and uh, Wells run upstairs is good. Like I say, he's on the bog, and I love the fact that he's like, he's got like a little fucking glow stick in his mouth, hasn't he? And he's like yeah. trying to call to Cooper, and he's like, I'm in a car seat. I'm in a car seat. And he's like, fucking flamethrower. Yeah, that bit is quite funny. Cooper's obviously having his own battle as well, and Wells is there with his fucking flamethrower, and it's all kicking off. One bit there, though, like obviously... Fair play to, to Wells. He knows he's going to transform and he, his eyes start going. He does start transforming um, and he sacrificed himself. That's one hell of a fucking explosion. I'm not sure how um, yeah. Cooper survived that. Yeah, I mean, gas explosions, I know they're probably big. I mean, they do happen to show like a cupboard that has like 20 fucking things of Calagas in it for some reason. I suppose back there, because it's so isolated, they'd have to stock up on it. But it's like, like you say, it's a massive explosion. I don't care if he's gone down into a basement. It's a really old school, like proper, like old country, English or Scotland, whatever, you know, a house and everything. So at one point, um, it's got this old, really old shitty little black latches on it in the bog and everything. They wouldn't stop jack shit. And Cooper kind of like punches through the walls. It's a whole really shitty kind of like plaster and everything. So... No wonder it blows up, but I think the fucking basement would have gone with it as well. Yeah, because you get a wide shot of the house and it, the whole house just goes up. And I'm thinking, all right, you might be in the basement, but I'm not sure about that. Because surely, even if the explosion didn't kill him, all the debris and that falling around him would have finished him off. But obviously it doesn't. Um, but yeah, fair play to Wells, though. You know, he did what he had to do. Um, kind of uh, Gorman style, I guess. He does, yeah. And again, this is some really solid acting from Sean Pertwee because it's quite emotional because like, Cooper's like, no, I'm not leaving you, Sergeant. And he goes, no, you have to leave. You have to obviously make it worth it. You know, we've lost my men. You know, my lads have died and all that sort of stuff. And you have to take this film and make it right. And he's like saying to Coop, isn't he? It's like, you know, the one thing you've got to learn about leadership is sometimes the men you kill are your own men and stuff. And just the way he kind of delivers it. And then I think it's brilliant. And then he sort of sits down and he sort of, the werewolves are coming in. He's looking at the picture of his wife and then obviously hits the fucking oven, which sparks up first time and blows the house up. But it's just quite a kind of a really well-acted scene, considering you're not really expecting that level of sort of depth from these sort of movies. Yeah, he's very good. Um, but, I mean, he, he's good in most of the things I've seen him in, so unsurprisingly. But, yeah, it is quite emotional, isn't it? Yeah. So, as the sun rises, Cooper attempts to leave, but Ryan, who is still a werewolf, confronts him. After a brutal fight, Cooper stabs Ryan in the chest with a silver letter opener weakening him enough to allow Cooper to shoot him in the head. Cooper, along with Megan's border collie Sam, emerges from the cellar. Cooper's story with photographs is shown reporting only in, um, only in the sensationalist tabloid newspaper with Werewolves Ate My Platoon, under the results of the England v Germany football match. It's a bit of a fucking weird ending this, but you always get that kind of horror movie thing, oh yeah, we've won, but there's obviously that, that's still the end villain, that little fight that goes on. And there's a bit here that always makes my fucking ass clench, because um, bloody... Ryan's still a werewolf with a sword sticking through and he like pushes a sword through um, Cooper's teeth, doesn't he? And it makes that really kind of mm. screechy nails on chalkboard noise. Fucking makes me cringe. Yeah, he's literally about to shove it right down his throat when the older collie comes in and saves the day pretty much. But yeah, he's pretty gnarly that bit. One thing that made me kind of think, that's a bit strange, but I guess Spoon had had the fight with the werewolf beforehand, but Wells 
not Wales, Ryan, sorry. I guess he, he might be part transforming back to human because it's sunlight or sunrise. But he seems more interested in, like, fighting uh, Cooper one-on-one rather than just attacking him as a werewolf would, you know. They, they sort of have a bit of a sparring match almost before it kicks off. And I'm thinking... We've seen the werewolves just blatantly just attack. They haven't been like one on one. They've just gone for it. So maybe that's because he's transforming back to human. Maybe I thought too much into it. I don't know. It's weird now because I, I was wondering these like sort of monster movies, like how much of the person is inside there, sort of thing. It's like because fucking Cooper is like, hey Ryan, have you tried licking your balls yet? Oh, I forgot you haven't got any. And he seems to be reacting to it. And it's like so in werewolf form, do they still kind of know what they're doing and kind of understand it, or does like the primal thing fully take over. Clearly it doesn't because, like you say, Ryan still seems to be just trying to beat the shit out of Cooper because he hates him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe, again, probably thinking too deep into this, he's only just transformed, hasn't he? Maybe he's still got that human in him, but the longer you stay a werewolf, the more primal you become. Who knows? Probably far too deep to think about that kind of thing. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, it's a good question either way. And then... um. Obviously, they live, and more importantly, Sam, the Border Collie, lives, because I hate you when, obviously, we had a dog die at the start, which is horrible, but I'm glad that he sort of survived. He's just kind of been chilling out for all this. The only damage he's ever done is tried to eat fucking Wells's bandages, wasn't it? But other than that, he's just kind of just been chilling out while all these werewolves are attacking. Um, and then we yeah. just get really... I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever liked the way the credits roll on this one, because it's been quite a brutal, full-on movie. And suddenly we just start getting these fucking newspaper reels coming up about like them taking the piss out of the werewolves and then England versus Germany and stuff. And I think that just kind of takes away from how good the rest of the movie was. It's like suddenly it just goes into stupid territory where up until then it's all been pretty good. Yeah, I kind of agree to a certain extent. I mean, it's quite good the way the titles are rolling. You see the sort of the pictures and everything and you're like, okay, that sort of ties into what's been going on. But you find it quite a lot with these horror films i mean this is i wouldn't say this is horror i guess that's what it's supposed to be banded as but it's more slasher sort of i don't know action film isn't it? it's not particularly scary um mm. but i found with a lot of these sort of styles of films they never seem to really know how to end them do they they always have kind of <laughs> weak endings or most of them do yeah yeah that's a good point i was actually thinking that myself last night i was like is this really a horror movie i mean you think werewolves that's classic horror movie material but this isn't a horror movie, like you say, it's kind of a thriller, um, kind of slasher type sort of thing. But, you know, whatever category you want to put it in. But, yeah, you're right. They never seem to know how to end it. So they all just end up throwing something random out there and hoping it works. And it might work for some. I just think it just seems a little bit overly silly or just doesn't go with the rest of the tone of the movie. But that's just my personal preference, I think. No, I, I can kind of see that. But I've definitely seen worse endings. It does kind of tie up to a certain extent, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that is our look at Dog Soldiers. And the only thing left to do now is to give this one some scores. And uh, as it was my choice, I will go first. So what can I say about this film? Um, I'm quite a big fan of this. As I alluded to at the start, I'm a big fan of like, just horror in general, as our listeners probably know, and JT knows. Um, but British horror in particular, I have a very big soft spot for in British movies in general, just obviously because a bit biased, but it's where I'm from. And I just relate to them a little bit more. Um, a really good cast all around. Um, Sean Pertwee's brilliant in this. Uh, Kevin McKidd does really well for himself. And Liam Cunningham plays a great villain. You, like, he really makes you hate Ryan, and rightfully so, because the character is an absolute bastard. Um, I like the way it's shot. It's quite gritty. It's quite grounded. It's kind of claustrophobic. Even when they're out on the planes at the start before they get into the house, it's shot quite sort of like tight into the camera and sort of focusing on like the panic and 
when they're sort of being attacked by the wolves, when they're running, obviously, before they get to the house and everything. I like the whole kind of slightly shaky camera. It adds to the panic and obviously the fact that they don't have a clue what's going on and you hear all the fucking weird noises and shit. So I think they did, good, did a good job. Considering it's a low-budget movie, they probably didn't have much to work with, but I think they used the tools they had and used them quite well, which is um, obviously a good nod to Neil Marshall as a director. He clearly knows how to like put something together with minimalistic like availability, so to speak. Um, there's not really much to say about like a soundtrack or anything. There's a bit of music in this, but it's more about the kind of the characters, the banter, and the action, really, and all those string things together make a quite an entertaining movie. As we said, there, it's not really a horror movie per se, although it has horror flavors. It's very much a kind of action thriller. It's got a few jump scares in there, here and there. Um, yeah, I think it's quite a solid movie, and I've watched it a few times over the years. Um, it's one of Rachel's favourites, and she likes the director in general, Neil Marshall. So, yeah, it gets watched every sort of couple of years in our house. Um, and I'd recommend it to people. A uh, good, solid movie. Um, what do I want to score it? I kind of want to give it a four, just because it's a good, solid movie, but I don't know if it's quite deserving of that. So I'm going to give it a nice, strong three, and it is deserving of three, and maybe a little bit more, three and a half if I gave half scores, but a really good, strong three, decent sort of like action thriller, some cool effects in there, even though the werewolves do like their sort of like dressed up in drag on Halloween night, but what can you do? Um, great acting. Not It's not even a very long movie as well. You know, it runs for about an hour and 45, so it's very, very manageable. Um, great to stick on just for a sort of have some on just for a bit of popcorn movie. So, yeah, three others from me, JT. What about yourself? Oh, good stuff, Fred Roll. Yeah, um, well, I'm not really sure why I hadn't seen this film only once and why it takes me 20 years to watch it again. Because, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, the cast, as you said, are all great. Um, Sean Pertwee's always good anyway, and it's good to see a British cast. Again, as you said, being a little bit biased there, but I always do like the British films. I'm not a huge horror fans certainly of modern horror old older films yeah but i think it's so cliched now this certainly isn't the most original film of all time don't get me wrong and some of the werewolf shots do look a little bit ropey but there's enough gore and tension there as you said the way it's shot is quite claustrophobic and the, the camera angles and everything is quite tight in and it looks better when it sort of pans out to the wider shots that's when it sort of loses a little bit but it certainly keeps you gripped there's a couple of twists, and not particularly original, Ryan and Megan being werewolves, kind of, you could see it coming, really. Um, but, you know, it gives it a little bit of a, a twist and makes it a little bit different in places. It's pretty well paced, as you said. It's not massively long, one hour, 45 minutes. I think it's a pretty good time to spend, you know, 100 minutes of your life. You're not going to regret it. Um, yeah, it's not particularly original or earth-shattering, but I did enjoy it, and it'll probably uh, won't be 20 years till I watch it again, I have to say. Um so, yeah, I'm going to agree with yourself and go down the middle here. I'm going to give this three. Um, I really enjoyed it, and um, I certainly will watch it again. It's a good, enjoyable British horror, and in inverted commas, slasher romp, for want of a better phrase. So, yeah, that's three others for me as well there, Bread Roll. Good choice. Oh, lovely stuff. We do enjoy a good romp on this show, don't we? We so, do. Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Romping werewolves, what can you say? Um, yeah, good stuff. I'm glad you enjoyed it more than anything there, JT, because um, uh, you watched it on Prime. Were there many commercials on the freebie thing, or did you manage to get through it fairly unscathed? It wasn't too bad. I think three, maybe, three or four tops. One of them was about fucking neighbours, like the Australian <laughs> soap, which is quite random. I don't think it's, I think it's finished now. Anyway, but no, it wasn't too bad, advert-wise. 
Oh, good stuff. Well, there we go. That is our look at Dog Soldiers. Let us know what you think of this one. Um, if you're a fan of it, if you're not a fan, and what you think of our score in general, you can get in touch with us at the Hyperbaric Goats on X or Twitter, whatever the fuck you want to call it. We're still on there at this point in time, so that is where you can find us. And also, if you have any movies you'd like us to review, obviously, availability was standing on the streaming sites. Um, do throw them our way, and we'll um, try and get around to them as quick as we can, as and when they are available. Uh, we're going to be missing next week's episode as um, life's doing its usual thing of getting in the way. But JT, do you have a movie for when we come back or are you still pondering what we're going to do next? Oh, no, I think I've got one, Brad. Well, yeah, I'm away next week. I actually remembered this time. So, yeah, we in two weeks time. Um, yeah, this is one that I thought about and then I thought, shall we, shan't we? It's a little bit controversial. Might I wouldn't say a ruffle a few feathers, but... It's on Netflix. It's, I think it's 2013 film. It's another British film. Um, it's called 71, as in 1971, which is when it's set. And it's about the troubles in Northern Ireland. I won't go any more than that into it. Um, yeah, I just thought we'll, go, we'll do that. No one will probably listen to it. And it is still a bit controversial in places, but I thought, fuck it, let's do it. So 71, it's called. Oh, lovely. I've not seen that. I have flicked through it a few times. Um yeah, that should uh, be quite an interesting one, um, that whole period of time and the whole, well, fucking Irish and British throughout fucking hundreds of years and stuff. Um, that kind of, that's been there a long time. So, yeah, it might be an interesting one. Good one. Look forward to that. Yeah, I mean, my mum is from Belfast. Um, doesn't live there anymore. Um, so that kind of thing always piques my interest anyway. But I won't say any more until we actually review it. Yeah, good stuff. Well, there we go. 71 available on Netflix. That is what we're going to aim to do in a couple of weeks' time. So thank you very much for joining us. And this is Bread Roll signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Absolutely top fucking bollocks.